This is episode 318 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Shooting Accuracy, Its Importance Can't Be Overstated, and Never Think You Are Safe. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. I believe that every prepper or actually everyone should have multiple streams of income. And so this book and also the Prepper website forums helps you to do that. All right. Um, I want to just also let you know that I was contacted by Legacy Foods and they are actually running a special deal right now. Uh, if you are in the market for some dehydrated food, uh, there's a lot of different dehydrated foods out there and, uh, you would definitely want to make sure you you pick the right company, and I recommend I recommend Legacy Foods. Um, right now, they have a a great deal on their 240 serving package. It's uh, it's running 399 dollars, and that's that's 39 percent off of their normal price. And then um, on their big 1080 serving package, and you can get almost 960 dollars off. And then any other packages that you are wanting to uh, to purchase there even like their grab and go buckets and stuff those are 20% off and that's going to be t- through memorial day and uh, there is a coupon code or a checkout code uh, memorial 20 and I'm going to link to that in the show notes and guys that's just if you're in the market for dehydrated food uh, you know not everybody is but if you are I think this is somewhere great to uh, you know to look at and then you know I would always recommend you know, buy a little bit of, if you're looking at different companies, dehydrated companies, food, dehydrated food companies, you know, buy a sample package of them and then try that out and then go from there because you might find that you don't like that type of food and you need to go, you know, with another company or you need to do something different. And so uh, Legacy does have those, but you know, this is supposedly one of the biggest sells that the company has ever had and so i just wanted to kind of point that out to you i do recommend them and i have links to them in the show notes this sunday at church i talked a little bit about our crazy world and and where we're at um by now everyone has heard i'm assuming uh unless you just don't at all listen to you know the radio or don't get online or anything like that about the santa fe shooting in Santa or Santa Fe High School in Santa Fe, Texas, and and really Santa Fe is one of those suburbs of Houston, uh, a little bit further down, uh, just a little bit north of Galveston, Texas, and uh, it is just crazy. I mean, Friday I was at work, and then uh, I can't remember how I first heard about it, and then started listening to some of the reports, and I remember listening to one of the local stations, and they were interviewing one of the the parents who was picking up his daughter. Uh, I believe. And he was saying that, you know, when he pulled up, there was eight ambulances leaving. And I said, wow, when that, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, there's, there's some, there's going to be some, some, uh, you know, some real damage here. And then they had life flight. So helicopters, uh, there was one helicopter on scene. And then as I was watching the footage, two other helicopters got there. 
And uh, man, that is, you know, life flight or what we call life flight here in, in the Houston area. I don't, I'm, I'm assuming they call it something similar where you're at. You know, they just don't come out just as a precautionary measure. They come out because they're needed. And so they had three helicopters there on site uh, on, on the, the school grounds. And so that's crazy. Uh, I know that uh, Governor Abbott, uh, the Texas governor, has asked for a moment of silence at 10 o'clock tomorrow. And uh, so, you know, we'll be observing that. But this crazy. I mean, we're living in an absolutely crazy, crazy world. And so there's going to be, you know, it didn't take too long for everybody to come out on both sides about gun confiscation and then Second Amendment rights and all that kind of stuff. And you're going to hear about that. I think now what you'll probably start seeing and hearing about are campuses and schools that are starting to target people who like wear trench coats and, and, you know, different clothing like that. I mean, that's going to be it. And that's always like a reaction, right? It's like, how can we stop it stop this from happening ever again and uh, i don't you know i'm not going to get into a whole public school uh discussion here i know there's a lot of people that have different varying views and public school gets a lot of things wrong but they also get some things right and uh you know i'll just we'll save that for a whole nother uh, conversation out there but uh, definitely need to keep these people in our prayers one of my friends one of my very good friends is a pastor down in Hitchcock, and he is he was uh, posting. Actually, he posted late Friday night, and uh, he said we just walked the last parent to their car uh, at you know it was like six thirty. And can you imagine a parent who you know? Uh, and I talked a little bit about this at church, where you're hoping in the back of your mind that your kid is with someone they just you know were kind of panicked they left school with someone and they, they don't have their phone maybe their their phone fell in all the confusion and it's in school and they won't let them go back in there and get it and they're not answering your text they're not answering your calls and you're not sure where they're at and then all you know worrying that they are you know there in the school and they're victims of this shooting and you can just imagine how that felt and and this you know this parent that uh, was told, you know, late in that day that their child was was a victim, and uh, he was just saying it was heart wrenching, you know, to to be there and to, uh, to to see what was going on and to support these parents and these family members and these community and and this guy, man, I just you know, God's really using them in a powerful way, but he's coming from also from a, a point where he he understands exactly where. Um, the loss that people are feeling right now. And um, he's been down there with Harvey. That community down there is still ravished by Harvey. Um, I was talking with just a couple of weeks ago, we were at a pastor's meeting. I mean, he himself is not even in his house. His house is still gutted. He's living in a little trailer. And his church, his church has a big camp. They run a camp every summer. And uh, they're not even doing summer camps this year because they're, you know, people are still coming down to help and to clean up and to, uh, to build and to, and to do different things like that. And so he's offering his camp, uh, which is probably going to be a financial hit for him, offering up his camp so that uh, they can, you know, so people can have places to stay as they go out and help the community. And something that we don't think about that he was telling me is that, uh, you know, there is such a need for wood right now. 
that when the wood is being cut, it's being sent out right away. And I, I guess at some point there's a I don't know the complete the process, you know, completely how the process works, but there's a drying period, I guess, with new freshly cut wood, and uh, it's it's not going through that that opportunity, right? It's not having that opportunity to to age a little bit or to dry out. And so what's happening is uh, you know, like Home Depot and Lowe's and, and people that are doing work and fixing up homes are dealing with, you know, wood, freshly cut wood, and it's starting to warp on them. And then there's a lot of people out there who are taking advantage of people who are in need and, and not necessarily in need as in like, I don't have anything, but people who are wanting to get back into their homes and they're wanting to get their homes back together. And so they pay money, you know, to people to come and to work. And then they're not even doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. Uh, or they, uh, like for instance, one story was uh, one contractor put the wrong, like he's working on a couple of houses in the neighborhood. He put the wrong counters on a, on, you know, in a, in a kitchen, right? And so it was just kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, you just deal with it, right? And you're like, no, you're not just going to deal with it. But you got that's something you got to fight legally and all that. Kind of, I mean, can you imagine? There's just so much stuff going down there. And then, you know, with this going on and, and uh, so, you know, I'm going to keep uh, my friend down there in my prayers as well. But you might not have realized it because Santa Fe took a lot of the news is there was another shooting in Georgia. I believe it was Mount Zion High School during graduation of all things, a graduation when it's supposed to be uh, when it was supposed to be a good time, a, a time of celebration. You know, there was somebody shot there as well. And, uh, you know, crazy. You got the volcanoes going on in, in Hawaii. And I don't know if you've read the reports, but there is a, a geothermal uh, plant that is, you know, in the way. And uh, so they, they realized that, you know, th- this plant was in a lot of danger. So hopefully, you know, they've moved a lot of the chemicals and a lot of those things. But there's still, you know, I, I guess there's still stuff down in the, in the ground. And, and, you know, where Fukushima happened and, and things, you know, they're, eventually they were able to get back in there and, and kind of see what was, ha- what was happening. I don't know what would happen if lava came in and completely wiped out uh, a nuclear plant. And then, you know, the lava would flow in, I mean, who knows, into the, you know, to the, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to call them. I know they're not silos, but, you know, wherever uh, all that stuff is, is, you know, you go down there and they've removed a lot of chemicals and they've removed a lot of, you know, stuff that can cause damage, I guess, on the surface. But you still have all the other infrastructure there that you can't remove. And so you have volcanoes going on. We're about to move into hurricane season, you know, and, and uh, flooding. And then uh, I was reading somewhere in Texas that uh, we haven't had enough rainfall. So we're starting to kind of go into a little bit of a drought uh, kind of period. And then with the heat coming and then there's a fire, you know, the, the possibility always for fires to spark up very easily. And then, of course, you have stuff like the Middle East over there, tinderboxes. Uh, of, of just craziness that can go on with Iran and Israel firing off missiles at each other, and that can just flare up at any time. And then the other thing that you know we we have to think about is that all these things are going on in this crazy world, and then we have our individual crisis and our individual troubles. I mean, you you might be at a place right now where it's like I can't even focus on 
you know, Santa Fe, or I can't even think about volcanoes, Todd, because right now I'm in a financial crunch, or right now I'm in a health crisis, or right now, you know, I'm dealing with relationship issues, or my kids, or, you know, my, my spouse, whatever it might be, we all have those things, and it's just a crazy world, and that's why it's so important to know, you know, who you are, to know where you're, you're able to find that comfort. And, uh, you know, thank God I am able to, uh, to do that through, uh, through Jesus Christ. And, you know, everybody knows that if you've, if you've been reading for a while that I am a Christian and I am a pastor. And, uh, so that is where I find my comfort. And that is where I, uh, am able to always get to, because eventually, you know, this world can go to, you know, can really, the poop can hit the fan. And uh, but I am completely secure in in knowing that this world is not all there is, right? And so uh, I was reminded that again, and I was able to remind my family uh, of that uh, today. And those of you who know that, uh, if you're well, if you're new, you don't know. Uh, I record the the day's podcast, so the Monday podcast gets recorded on Sunday night. So I was able to uh, do the memorial service for my uncle. So I was able to share that information and be able to share uh, that comfort uh, with my family uh, on on Sunday. So really grateful to be able to do that. And uh, so just, you know, sometimes it can be overwhelming, like things are coming one after another, after another, after another. And that's why that's one reason why we prep. And that's why we are we stay aware of what is going on. So uh, not out of fear, but so that we can be prepared and we can have our families and be in a place where our families can be prepared and we can mitigate crisis and we can do all those kinds of things. But like I said, in the end, we know that this that there is this is not all there is. There is complete. There's a lot more to uh, to to living uh, even after this life. Right. And so uh, hopefully you know that. And uh, if not. Uh, I'd love to be able to talk with you about that in the future. All right, so a lot of that there. Let me go ahead and jump into, oh, one more thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, of course, and then we have like, uh, you know, Maduro in Venezuela, of course he wins, wins the, the election. I mean, did you think that he was going to allow anything else to, to happen there? And so that's what happens when a tyrannical government is in place. They have elections, but they're false elections. And uh, man, so I feel, I feel, you know, we talk about Venezuela a lot. I feel for those, those people because as long as, you know, people like Maduro are in power, it just doesn't seem like there's going to get, they're going to have any relief whatsoever. And, and uh, you know, people in power, they don't care about the average person. They're okay. They're secure. They're behind the army and the army's protecting them right now. And uh, it's just a, a, a terrible place to be. And uh, so definitely a, a lot of reasons to be praying right now, right? A lot of reasons to uh, to make sure that you have that focus, you know, on, on the right things. All right, guys. So let's go ahead and jump into our first article. It go, comes to us from theprepperjournal.com. And this article is entitled, Shooting Accuracy, Its Importance Can't Be Overstated. Nowadays, it is completely reasonable and rational to enhance our marksmanship skills by installing any type of optics. Regardless of whether we punch the paper or expect a quick and ethical kill in a wilderness, shooting accuracy is the ultimate requirement, and we will enable it by adequately installed and sighted rifle scope. Mounting and learning how to sight in a 3x9x classics or long-range scopes demands some technical understanding, 
but we will explain to you how to sight in a rifle scope in eight easy steps. As a standard, today's shoulders guns come with already pre-drilled and tapped holes for scope bases or some rail system like the Picatinny or Weaver rail system. So number one, before starting, you need to gather a few tools such as screwdrivers and Allen keys for installing and adjusting your scope. In addition, it is mandatory to obtain a rifle rest, securing it in a bipod on sandbags or some kind of shooting platform for added stability and to reduce human error. In addition, it is vital that no part of the gun is resting on a hard surface. Number two, after choosing a rifle scope that will suit our needs and type of shooting, we have to select appropriate scope rings to fit the scope main body, objective bell, and type of scope base. Needless to say that rings should be tightly mounted to the base to avoid any wiggle whatsoever to the scope, and if necessary, use Loctite on the screws. Adequate mounting systems for a scope should be designed to take as much recoil as your rifle will produce. Therefore, you should not skimp on rings and other accessories, particularly when, you're, when you scope a gun with more powerful caliber. Number three, in a next step, you make sure the crosshairs are entirely level and perfectly aligned with the direction of the elevation and windage adjustments. With aligning the reticle, we should avoid any anomaly referred to as reticle cant, especially pronounced on long-range scopes at distances greater than 250 yards. The end goal of bore sighting step is to ensure the rifle scope reticle is centered where the rifle is pointing in in this operation. It is not vitally important to be extremely precise. To make this rough alignment, you should secure the weapon in a stable position and put up a target at short range, either 25 or 50 yards, because the short distances will save time, ammunition, and frustration. The task is pretty simple with a bolt-action rifle and single-shot guns where you may only remove the bolt or open the action and look down the bore. Line up your barrel on the target and without moving the rifle and adjust your rifle scope so that the reticle is aligned on the same object. Using the turrets on the top and the side of the scope, move the reticle until you see the same picture as through your barrel. Your rifle is now bore sighted to 25 yards. Evidently, auto loader, pumps, and level action rifles cannot be sighted this way. So you will need a device called a laser bore sighter. Naturally, a laser bore sighter is a helpful tool for bolt action and single shot too. And it will get you on paper quicker and, little, and a little easier than merely looking down the bore of the rifle. Before we move into the hot phase of the sighting, it is important to set the proper spacing between the end of the scope and our eye. Adjusting perfect eye relief is a key component to sighting your rifle scope as it will allow enough distance to avoid contact of the scope's ocular with your eye due to the rifle recoil. And guys, if you've ever seen uh, what they're talking about there, if you've ever seen uh, some of those videos on, on Facebook or whatever, where, you know, like gun fails and different things like that, where people are holding the gun or rifle and they're not really holding it uh, appropriately, and that... Uh, you know, the scope comes back and, and hits somebody in the eye. I mean, that is terrible. I can just imagine how much that hurts. And so definitely something to, uh, you, you need to have that in place there. Number six, after you get the rifle on paper, you should fire three shot rounds at the center of the 25-yard target. Check the target, 
adjust the scope, and repeat shooting until your shots are hitting the center. At this point, we should explain the process of adjustments. Since the majority of rifle scopes have a 1 4th MOA or minute of angle increments, that feature means that one click will shift the bullet impact 1 4th of an inch at 100 yards because the click value moves up or down by 1 4th inch proportionately for each 100 yards decrease or increase in distance. You will need to make four times the number of clicks, 16 clicks equals one inch, to shift down the bullet impact at 25 yards target. Before moving to 100 yards distance and the zeroing process, you should decide which load you plan to use and exactly where you want your 100 yard point of impact. After successful 25 yards adjustments, you are ready to move the target out to 100 yards and make fine tuning, but prior to that, Make sure your barrel has cooled to the ambient temperature. The 100 yards is chosen as a golden middle since the less distance is not precise enough, while at over 100 yards is more pronounced human error and effects such as wind. From the comfortable and relaxed position, you fire slowly and carefully three shot groups at 100 yards. Check the shot grouping and measure the distance from the center of your group to the point of aim on the target. The procedure is the same after you take note of where these groups land on the target and make an adjustment. Shoot another group and repeat this process until your group hits where you are aiming. The standard zeroing is at 100 yards, but depending on your needs, you may want to sight in slightly high at 100 yards, 2 to 2.5 inches high, and shoot dead center on at 200 yards. It should be kept in mind that most of the factory ammunition boxes have information about particular caliber and load. Number eight, following the final adjustments, you should make one last group to confirm it. Lock the turrets or screw on the protective caps and waiting and wait ready for the hunting season. If you use the bipod in the field, you should fire a couple of shots on your bipod since some guns will have a different point of impact with mounted bipods than from specifically built rifle rest or over sandbags. And then after all, some shooters recommend during sighting in the process to clean the rifle after no more than 20 rounds and repeat the process for optimum accuracy. We hope to provide some assistance in this matter by offering a straightforward systematic guide on how to sight in a rifle scope. It does not matter where whether you are going hunting or range shooting, mounting and sighting optics is an essential skill for you because you will gain the confidence to continue to improve your shooting skills. That is not a test of your shooting ability since the whole process is carried out from a stable platform. Sighting in has nothing to do with shooter's accuracy, but sighting in is just as shooting groups and is all about the rifle. Guys, I would recommend that if you go do, you know, if you're sighting in a rifle, Definitely go with someone that knows what they're doing. It might cause a little less frustration for you. Um, you know, sometimes uh, depending on the shooting range that you're at, they can uh, bore sight for you, and they can uh, they will actually sight it in for you as well for a fee if you wanna if you wanna go that route. But uh, you know, you do if you've never done it before, I do recommend that you go with someone that you that you know or use somebody at the firing range that will uh, that will help do it. And then, you know, sit there with them while they're doing it and, and watch them do it and, you know, let them walk you through it. Uh, just so you get that information, you're able to uh, you're able to do it the next time around. 
So uh, article over at theprepperjournal.com, and like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. This next article kind of falls in line with how crazy our world is and uh, maybe even got me starting, starting to talk about that at the very beginning of the podcast. It comes to us from survivalblog.com and the article is entitled, Never Think You Are Safe. And uh, so I'm going to read this and then there was a comment in this one that I thought was helpful that I'm going to read uh, when, we, when I get to the end of this article. This isn't a very long one, but I think it's good for us as we do live in this crazy world, regardless of what you believe or uh, how you see things. Um, this is going to be more about situational awareness and then uh, some questions that you can ask yourself. Um, but definitely we, we want to make sure that we do it in a way where it doesn't, we don't live paranoid, right? Uh, that's that's the other thing is that we can go to extremes. We can go to extremes of being completely loose in the way that we live. We can go all the way over to the other extreme where we're just we we have such a tight hold on everything that we're not truly living, and we want to fall somewhere in between. But uh, there's some good advice here, and so let's go ahead and uh, read this article. Back in 1986, I was living in a ground floor condo in a large complex where I thought I was safe. My apartment opened onto a grassy common area which several buildings faced at different angles, as it was not geometrical. While I was playing on my patio with my one-year child, I heard a woman yell, Help me! Somebody help me! Unfortunately, her voice was faint and the buildings caused a slight echo, so I could not pinpoint the exact building or condo. As I searched the area, the voice abruptly stopped. Was she gagged? Beaten? It was not a prank. I called the police who just did a cursory look, asked only a few questions, and then left. There was not much I could tell them. I wonder if a woman died that day. This experience taught me that the police are limited in their ability to prevent crimes. Maybe they don't really care after being hardened by years of police work, or maybe they can't do more, frustrated by protocols, reports, superiors, or adverse news. As I age, I fully understand the need for situational awareness and preparation. Below is a mental exercise or awareness process that we should consider doing every day. Ask yourself some questions. What do I actually know? Think, what do I actually know about, based on factual evidence, this person, this group of people, this company, this place, this situation? How do I know? Ask yourself, how do I know what I know? What is my source of information? Is it friends, news media, experience, or other What presumptions have I made on what I think I know? Are there presumptions I have made based on what I have heard? And what presumptions have I made based on social norms and customs? Former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld once said, There are known knowns, demonstrated facts and evidence, like someone's job, address, etc. Then there are known unknowns, known gaps in knowledge based on missing evidence, like someone's intentions and motives. And then there are unknown unknowns, complete blanks, surprises, like someone's hidden or secret vices. So where am I vulnerable? Ask yourself, where or how am I vulnerable? What might I be up against? Area, is it known for crimes? What's the area profile? The place, the restaurant, a theater, a home, event, what to expect, who will I know? The strengths and avoidance strategies. Ask yourself, what are my strengths and what are my avoidance strategies? What ifs? Be realistic, but think through possible scenarios. 
tools and cash and clothes for weather conditions that might be useful. Look for us. Think to yourself, what should I be looking for? My expectations, the indications, signs that something might be wrong. As I said, this is based off of my past experience, such as the women, the woman mentioned above. There have been other experiences with people or with situations that have influenced my thinking. I also borrow heavily on reading books such as Left of Bang, The Gift of Fear, etc., as well as incorporating Colonel Jeff Cooper's color code, which was something I did not read about or understand until the early 2000s. One more experience that I would like to highlight. Several years ago, I was taking a bus from New York City to Washington, D.C. I had traveled this route many times. We were nearing the end of the New Jersey Turnpike. The traffic was congested, but I had seen much worse. Suddenly, the bus exited at the second to last exit on the turnpike. It was late evening, and most people were sleeping or playing on their iPhones. I doubt they were aware of the detour. I was not concerned either, but was curious why the driver took this exit. But I did not know where the road went or how we were going to get back to the highway. And I was not too alarmed. However, I started thinking, how do I know the driver's intentions? Who cleared this driver? Where was he going? Was the bus company able to track us? What signs or indications should alert me to problems? Are there options? And what did I have on me? In this age of terrorism, car bombings, kidnapping, serial killers, violent political social activism that happens every day around the world, including in the USA or Europe, both assumed to be safe areas, we have seen brutal and very public attacks. Never think you are safe. All right, guys. So um, good questions to ask yourself there, right? Um, you know, questions to start to, to contemplate. I think sometimes we just get in our vehicles and we just go or we just go on autopilot. I mean, how many times have you just, uh, you know, you've been on autopilot? There was a funny thing that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I've been at my current position in the district for uh, two years now. This is my second year. But a couple of weeks ago, I was just on autopilot and I was, I was going to my, my old campus and it was just like I was driving and I finally realized I was, I was going and, and uh, I hit a, a school zone and, uh, you know, automatically I slow down for school zones and all that kind of stuff. But then I was like, wait a minute, I never hit a school zone when I go to the office. What am I doing? And then I realized, you know what? I was just, uh, I got in my truck and I, to be honest, I think there was a lot of things on my mind. I can't remember exactly what it was now, but I was just, you know, just thinking and I was, you know, processing and uh, I was on autopilot and I was just driving the, to the same campus that I had been, you know, driving to for many, many, many years. And so it was just automatic. And I finally like, you know what? I am going the wrong way. And they had to turn around and, uh, you know, uh, go through the school zone again uh, to get back to, to the office. But that happens to us a lot of the times. We get on the autopilot mode and we're just kind of going. And a lot of the times we're not being situationally aware. Um, it happens to all of us. Uh, sometimes that happens to us when we are overwhelmed in our lives and we have a lot of things going on, a, a lot of things processing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just trying to figure out a lot of things. And, but so we're, we're, we're thinking about those things and we're kind of overwhelmed with those things. But then sometimes we're not really paying attention to what, um, uh, you know, what, what is happening, happening around us and, you know, the whole situational awareness and making sure that we are keeping ourselves, uh, keeping ourselves safe. 
Um, I did, I did want to read one comment here because I think it's uh, very pertinent in um, just to kind of keep things in perspective. So uh, one of the, the comments here was, while I agree with the fundamental message of this article, be aware of your surroundings and do not take anything for granted. There is a point I would like to make. There is a fine line between being aware and being paranoid. I would caution folks not to fall to the latter. Maintaining situational awareness is an excellent plan, but do not assume you will become a victim if you turn your back. Our perceptions of reality often define our reality. Lastly, in regards to crime and the police, if you look at any reputable crime statistics, the FBI's Uniform Crime Report, you'll see the violent crime has been declining almost everywhere in the U.S. from the early 90s, with the obvious exceptions of major cities like Chicago, New York, L.A., etc. In fact, more, most gruesome violent crimes we usually think of is committed by loved ones against loved ones. Most murders, statistically, take place within families. Think about that for a minute. The media has done a fantastic job of making everyone so paranoid about random acts of violence. However, the bottom line is statistically, they're just not that probable. But of course, they do happen. And again, going back to what we have experienced with Santa Fe, they do happen. And, uh, you know, uh, terrible. But uh, good advice there. We don't want to live our lives in complete fear and par- being paranoid of, uh, you know, walking out of our house because, you know, the, the world is so crazy. But, uh, you know, you do need to be smart. You need to be mindful. You need to be purposeful. You need to, to think about what's going on. Think through life just a little bit, you know. Think about where you're going. Then, you know, ask yourself some questions. You know, what can I experience, uh, you know, when I get to this uh, situation or this event or place or wherever you're going? You know, who's going to be there? What do I have with me? You know, some of these questions here, I think, in this article are great to kind of be able to process and to think through. Uh, but again, please do not live in fear. Uh, just be smart. Let's live smart and, uh, and do things well. And uh, guys, this is over at survivalblog.com. And like always, I'm going to link to it in the in the show notes so that you can go uh, check it out if you like. There are comments, of course, always at Survival Blog. There's going to be comments that you can, uh, you can check out and, and read. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 318. Thanks for starting your week off with me. I look forward to another week of podcast episodes with you. Hey, and if you are not subscribed to this podcast, you can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and you can subscribe there. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes including our Facebook group. I'd love to be able to see you over there. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.